Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of the Venture Games podcast. I'm Chris Quaidu, a venture partner at Griffin Gaming Partners, one of the leading gaming-focused VC firms, and content acquisition lead at Andreessen-backed Carry First, the leading African mobile games publisher. Today, I'm happy to introduce my next guest, Jeremy Bourne, co-founder and CEO of NFT Genius one of the leading companies building in the NFT and crypto space today. What's going on, Jeremy? Chris, what's up, man? So happy to be here. It's great to talk to you, man. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has, but you know, great hearing from you as always. So to kick things off, you know, for those folks out there who are just less familiar with you, can you just walk us through sort of your background and the path that you took to get here? Yeah, sure. Um, it's definitely an entrepreneurial path, you know, and just path to get here to the, the greater crypto space and then transitioning that to like Web3 NFTs, like whatever buzzword you want to use. Like, <laughs> I guess I'm here at the center point of it all. But yeah, I was just, you know, a longtime entrepreneur. I tried a lot of different things, you know, in the gaming space, mobile gaming, I owned a studio over there, owned a sports technology startup, dabbled in real estate, and then eventually kind of like found my place in marketing and and digital marketing ended up working with some of the biggest brands in the world, helping them with their digital marketing needs and digital transformations. Through those efforts and working with these amazing brands, just realized, especially around like the geolocation-based stuff that we we're doing and starting to get into like more cutting-edge technologies, mm-hmm. ended up leading a labs division at a firm, which really focused on like AI, machine learning, conversational agents. And like I started talking with some really intelligent people and coders that just kept telling me over and over again about Bitcoin and blockchain and and funny enough, like the first time that this was ever pitched to me, it wasn't even Bitcoin, which is mm. usually like if you got in like me around like 2016, <laughs> the first time I heard about it was 2014. Like I didn't do anything with it except for researched it for 30 minutes, tried to figure out how to buy <laughs> Bitcoin, couldn't figure it out and gave up yeah. <laughs> and then slapped myself later. 2016, these guys, you know, pitched it to me such that it was like, hey, have you heard of the blockchain? This is going to mm-hmm. be huge. You can do you can put anything on the blockchain. You can even put <laughs> art on the blockchain. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? How are you going to put art on a blockchain? It made no sense. I was like, how are you going to put this real painting on a blockchain? So yeah. I didn't get it. Fast forward now, I'm like in the NFT space, which mm-hmm. is literally art on the blockchain. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny how it all comes full circle. But getting into the space, just tested a lot of different things. And you know, the, the first problem that I ran into in any entrepreneur, you start with a problem, obviously, mm-hmm. and you want to solve that. And my problem was I didn't understand how to trade crypto. There was only a few tokens available and the price of Bitcoin was different on every exchange I mm-hmm. went to. And I just said, you know, like, obviously somebody has this arbitrage opportunity and yeah. it's not me because I don't have the data. So how can I create a place to where the average person like me can get access to good data so mm-hmm. I know what the heck I'm doing and I can identify opportunities to get in the market. So that's what I built at first in a previous company called Coin Genius. built that up, raised some funding and you know took a lot of learnings from that industry mm-hmm. uh, in that part of the business. Eventually started transitioning to things like education, put on conferences. We did a weekly thing that's called like Genius Wednesdays where we talk about the crypto markets. And I was mm-hmm. really fascinated with this new paradigm shift of this digital thing, which is the money layer on top of the internet, which Mm -hmm. is just like mind blowing how big of an opportunity that is mixed with what's happening from a macroeconomic perspective. Then you start reading different books like Bitcoin standard and other things like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the definition of like, what is money and the evolution (laughs) of money and the monetary systems and, and how the U S dollar as uh, I'll quote, Anthony Pompliano is, you know, the longest monetary experiment in human history. (laughs) So like all of that stuff, you realize you have no idea what the hell you're even thinking you're <laughs> yeah. talking about and you need to just go all in. So I quit my job, went mm-hmm. all in, 
and just dove headfirst into the industry. So like that's my beginnings and then leading into like NFTs, you know, we saw NFTs happening on wax, like in some of these earlier blockchains, mm -hmm. yes, it started happening on, you know, like counterparty and, and stuff like that, like early on, like early indications of NFTs, but as a traditional collectibles collector my entire life from mm -hmm. memorabilia to basketball and football cards. To me, when the first time I ever saw it was garbage pail kids put mm. on the wax blockchain by tops, I just didn't get it. I just, I just said like, why is somebody going to buy a pack <laughs> of cards digitally and trade them? I don't, I don't get it. But there is one thing that I learned in business in all my years of, you know, the successes mm -hmm. and failures of being a startup entrepreneur is that it actually doesn't matter what the thing is, is there's a demand for it, yeah. then that's a good business, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Beanie Babies is a really good example of that, right? Like nobody, like if you just look at this bear, you might think like, that's crazy, but it was a collectible that was highly sought after and had limited in, you know, scarcity attached to mm -hmm. it. So there's a lot of corollaries to, you know, the NFT space and it worked and, you know, they, the prices went up as demand increased and there wasn't a lot available. So after I saw the garbage bell kids, I just, I thought that was interesting. The first step was like, I always say this on like every podcast, but it's just such a good story. It's like 120,000 cards or something like that was yeah. the amount of the first one, right? Sold out in 28 hours. And I was like, oh, that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. But as they kind of released the second version and partnered with Tiger King, doubled supply. I was like, oh my God, and there's so much speculation. Like how stupid doubling yeah. supply sold out in like an hour. Wow. So I was like, holy crap. So the acceleration an adoption of something like this in the technology. And I follow this in my career of like mm -hmm. the acceleration of communications. You know, they give the, I don't know if you've seen that visual of like, you know, the, the telephone going to the, yeah. the mobile phone to WhatsApp and like mm -hmm. how quickly people are adopting yeah. these things. Mm -hmm. It was just so fast in terms of the adoption. I just knew that this was going to be the next big thing. And that NFTs were the killer app that I'd been talking about as what's to come in the Bitcoin yeah. and crypto space for like the last few years prior. Awesome. So I want to actually come back to the collectibles thing a little bit later, but first, okay. you know, for folks who are less familiar with NFT genius as a company, you know, I think ballers is still probably the highest profile of your projects, but what is NFT genius? You know, what are you guys working on? I know there's a marketplace aspect. NFT genius. Like we got into the space after like my whole tops experience that I was mm -hmm. telling you about with the collectible cards. And then I saw, you know, this little pack on a website called NBA top shot. And it was this little <laughs> 3d pack and it was shaking i was it made you want to just like reach in the screen and open it I mean, as soon track, as i saw unfortunately yeah. <laughs> i know where's your uh where's your uh, collector thing yeah behind you right i, I, I rearranged <laughs> my setup but yeah, it's, yeah it's right here off screen nice so as soon as i saw nba come in mm -hmm. and it was i found it on this website that showed all the upcoming nft drops which there was like five <laughs> at the time <laughs> you know this is a couple of years ago yeah and it was right after we put on the first to my understanding, the first ever digital conference for NFTs specifically, mm -hmm. and it was called NFT Day. And mm -hmm. we brought in all the leaders in the space because I realized like that's how you connect with people is like invite them to your table. Mm -hmm. And we did that and we met everybody. And that's actually where I met Dapper Labs, which we'll probably get to that a little bit yeah. later. But NFT Genius, you know, we dove into the space and realized like, hey, there's a huge opportunity here. The best way to learn in any startup I've realized is just dive in and make something. Maybe you're going to fall on your face, but you're going to take a lot of learnings. And because it's so early, there's mm -hmm. probably a lot of runway to make a lot of mistakes before you figure out the answer. So we created something called Bitcoin Origins, mm -hmm. took the moment cadence that I saw that was coming on NBA Top Shot because yep. I thought that was, that was beautiful, right? It's a moment in time that you're highlighting. I was like, wow, that's better than a card, mm -hmm. right? So 
because I was super passionate about Bitcoin and the story and I wanted to help somehow get the story of Bitcoin out to the masses, I was like, okay, why don't we tell the story of Bitcoin? We called it Bitcoin Origins mm -hmm. instead of just a traditional pack of cards. It was a block, like a block on a blockchain, these mm -hmm. like cool assets, all animated. We sold moments in Bitcoin's history, you know, and people could collect them, you know, and there wasn't really like much utility involved or anything like thought of until like utility became the buzzword. But we just wanted to like put out really cool art and have people, you know, have the ability to collect moments in time of Bitcoin's history. And especially the ones that became the most popular were the, the Bitcoin death card special insert, <laughs> which was highlighting the times that all the media declared Bitcoin yeah. officially dead throughout the year. So mm -hmm. that, those are really cool. So that's how we got into space. We actually did really well. Obscure blockchain like Wax, yeah. not a tremendous amount of users. We made millions of dollars, attracted the likes of Mark Cuban through a cold email that I sent out to him as soon as I saw him put some funny video on <laughs> Ethereum and turned it into an NFT. I was like, okay, he's dabbling in the space. You know, as an entrepreneur, like you dream of like going on Shark Tank, yeah, and, you know, yeah. getting a deal. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to email him. And somehow he loved what we were doing, came mm -hmm. in and ended up leading our round there. So that's, that's kind of like the genesis story of how we got in. Awesome. Okay. And then you made the comment, you know, on, you know, was Bitcoin dead in the past, right? And, you know, obviously you've been in the space for a while, you know, I've been in the space less seriously, but have followed it, you know, for a while. And so you know, obviously, you know, very well, you know, there's tons of cycles, you know, Bitcoin has been dead many, many times. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, shit, I should have gotten into Bitcoin. And then it's dead again, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, NFTs really brought a lot of mainstream, less sort of, you know, degenerate, less sort of tech savvy folks into the whole blockchain space, right? Yeah. And so because of this, there's a lot of folks that for the first time saw NFTs, you know, everyone has a story like, hey, my friend bought this board ape at whatever price. Now they're rich. And then they saw the crash, right? And so right. a lot of people actually think <laughs> NFTs are dead. So what would you say to those folks? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on head, which is like, just look at Bitcoin. Like mm -hmm. all the history of Bitcoin and the media attention, I like it's going to be the same thing all over again, mm -hmm. right? Like any new technology or like even, you know, the like when somebody first came out and just talked about the internet or like personal computers, everybody yeah. thought they were crazy too, but like yeah. they saw the vision and no matter what happened and what cycles happened, they, they just kept moving forward with their vision and their goal. And like, mm -hmm. that's exactly what we plan on doing. But I mean, NFTs will go through a lot of cycles yeah. and it will expand and contract and it'll contract, uh, you know, with the markets as well. I mean, obviously a lot of things, and this is like somewhat controversial, but you know, a lot of things have been tethered always to Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen that with the prices of Ethereum and Litecoin. And it's like, you know, that's, that's where I started my journey is like yeah. following Bitcoin. It's like, okay, Bitcoin's going down. It's all taking a crap, right? <laughs> the interesting thing about NFTs is that it like touches this cord and the psychological cord of like collectability and this thing that is innate in human beings that we've mm -hmm. been doing for thousands of years, starting with like collecting seashells and different things like that, right? Yeah. So it's like a part of our DNA in a way that money also is, right? We're mm -hmm. transacting things. Even the seashell example became, you know, this, this unit of currency to an extent yeah. in those civilizations. So I see it as one in the same in the sense that, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, like I said, is this layer of transacting value on top of the internet. And mm -hmm. NFTs is a way to transact things on top of the internet, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like this interesting kind of paradigm. And I think there's just such an opportunity for like so many people to get in and take advantage of this if they know how, but we're just in the learning phases right, right. now. So because we're in such early phases, we're all trying to figure it out. Like, I don't have the answer. I think mm -hmm. I have a good indication and proven track record of like understanding potentially where the puck is going. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've decided to kind of build our 
marketplace technology and all the things that we have on the flow blockchain where you know we're pretty bullish on the future of that but you know yet to be determined right like no one has a crystal ball right and then another sort of similar topic that has been in the media a lot right is just the declining fundraising environment right and so Part of this is true. Like the data is actually pretty horrendous. <laughs> like if you look at like right. venture funding last you know, year on year, it's down a lot. You know, I don't want to say a number because I've seen different estimates, but it's very significant. But, you know, you just raised this, you know, this large round, you know, congrats again. Thank you. So, you know, just being an entrepreneur in the space, given the current challenging environment, what was the fundraising experience actually like for you? Man. Fundraising is all about timing, like mm -hmm. just straight up. I mean, timing and opportunity, you know, obviously if you're trying to, you know, create something brand new that is just like not obvious what it is and you have to explain it a lot and you have to, you know, the end consumer, you have to write a novel just to tell them like how to use it or like mm -hmm. what, what it does, like that's going to always be challenging. Yeah. It's not to say that there's not a, a place for all those particular products and services, but, you know, for us and like what we were doing is like really straightforward in the sense that it's like, okay, well, we created a bunch of NFTs on multiple blockchains, you know, showed we weren't a one trick pony in mm -hmm. the sense that like we had multiple successes to the tune of millions of dollars across those blockchains. So like we proved that and then getting into marketplaces, it's like we just looked at all the blockchains and realized that there was a clear winner on most of the blockchains on Ethereum and mm -hmm. Solana, you had Magic Eden, but you had OpenSea on Ethereum. And you look at this little, little one in the corner here called Flow. Yeah. And you see that they brought in like one of the biggest and best brands in the NBA in the world mm -hmm. and they got it right. In the beginning especially and obviously took a lot of learnings throughout the uh, throughout time but reached a billion dollars in trading volume mm -hmm. in a short amount of time proved to us that the opportunity and there being no clear winner in terms of a marketplace on that blockchain made mm -hmm. so much sense to take the leap of faith and build an established presence there to really capture the market and that is exactly what we did with the guy marketplace and i think a lot of investors especially investors that had already invested in flow because they believed in their mission and, yeah. and creating a blockchain that's accessible to all with the dapper wallet, where for the first time you could purchase NFTs with a credit card, mm -hmm. reducing the friction needed. And you actually saw for the first time ever a NFT set, which they call a digital collectible set, right? Mm -hmm. In NBA Topshop, penetrating a true fan base and bringing on more people that were outside of the crypto space than were already in the inside of the crypto space. And that to us was the the signal that we needed to go fast and go all in. Mm -hmm. So you've been in the crypto space for a while. And I think a lot of like the more, you know, crypto hardo people, you know, generally aren't the most favorable when it comes to talking about flow, right? You know, even though to, to your point, obviously there are some very successful projects on flow, but given sort of your background and where you come from, you know, why did you think it made sense to go with flow? You know, when like a lot of the hardos were, you know, talking negatively about the chain and favoring other chains over flow. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it kind of comes down to just, like I said, just understanding like ebbs and flows of the industry mm -hmm. and like how anything where people are really tremendous haters like, on <laughs> something, it's almost like you almost want to bet on that one. Yeah. It's like, why are they hating on it? Well, because they're threatened. Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing. The second thing is that people don't get it, right? Mm -hmm. And the third thing is it's like, you know, a lot of people's argument was, well, this is like the opposite of what blockchain stands yeah. for. This is more centralized and it has not, a, you know, this decentralized feel. So I get all of that, you know, for us, mm -hmm. like we just look at it like from a business angle, like yeah. it's just a business decision. It's like, where can you go set up shop in terms of a marketplace where it's aligned with where you feel the industry is going? 
mm-hmm. where we think the industry is going and where I very much align with Roham and, and some of the leadership there is the world of NFTs to us is going to be more accessible to all. It's going yeah. to be a natural extension of our of brands as fandom as all of these experiences that we already are part of, but it gives this new sense of ownership mm-hmm. to the ownership of the NFTs that you otherwise couldn't get access to. Even just looking at like traditional trading cards, it turns a 2D thing that you hold in your hand mm-hmm. that degrades over time unless you take care of it and put yeah. it in the vault or whatever. That's actually really hard to transact mm-hmm. as well. If I sell it on eBay, I still have to pack it up and send it yeah. across the world. No guarantee that that person gets it versus mm-hmm. something that never degrades, something that doesn't have to be limited to a one surface level and it can mm-hmm. be three-dimensional. It can be anything that you imagine it to be. It can be video content. It can be gifts, whatever it is. It just evolved the collectible and the collectible experience in a way that no one's ever done before. So for us, understanding where that's going and that collectibles are going to, I don't think it's ever going to be physical collectible versus a digital collectible. I think Mm -hmm. it's actually going to be merged together. It's going to be like one in the same, and they're going to be very synergistic and complementary to one another and serve different purposes as well. But the masses are going to want something that's reasonable and affordable. Mm -hmm. And NBA Top Shot for me was a really good first test case or use case in that and selling $9 packs of cards. And they sold a billion dollars worth of these Mm -hmm. things, right? Reasonably priced assets, connection to the consumer of sports fans, basketball, NBA fans specifically that just wanted to collect a moment in time of their favorite player. Mm -hmm. They didn't even call it an NFT and you could purchase it with a credit card. Very (laughs) anti-crypto, right? But at the same time, showed the path of where we can all go and where I think the puck is going in terms of digital collectibles. Yeah, that's a, a great point, right? So I've, I've asked some other guests this question who are more in the crypto space, right? And so, you know, you could argue even like the coin bases of the world and the open seas of the world have gone more in the mainstream angle. I guess open sea maybe a little bit less so, right? But like all things considered, it's it's moving relatively mainstream. But to your point, there's this this group of folks that are loud and probably pretty large that, you know, say the mainstream, you know, more centralized, if you want to use that word, vision is anti-crypto. And so as this all continues to play out, do you think there's going to be one side that wins out as in more mainstream versus more, you know, sort of the vision of blockchain? Or do you think these two worlds will develop separately and sort of bifurcate? That's another really good question. I, it kind of just reminds me of back in the day, I used to be in like rock bands. And a lot of people are like, what the hell? Like I used to have black hair. I thought I was going to be a rock star, scream, sing and all that stuff. And yeah. and the interesting thing about that is, is like, I remember vividly that there were specific bands that were like hard rock, hardcore. Yeah. And some of them ended up getting record deals. Mm-hmm. And what happened is their music got less hard. Mm-hmm. And it started getting more poppy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they had so many haters, like you're a sellout. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But guess what? they're laughing all the way to the bank (laughs) because they made a lot of money because they're trying to capture just a larger pool, a larger audience. And I think that's like really what's happening here at the end of the day. It's like, maybe it's not cool to do this, but Mm -hmm. if you're looking at this from a business lens, like we are and like Dapper clearly is, is what's cooler as a business. Just think about it, not as a collector, as a Mm -hmm. business. If you start a business, you had a marketplace, what would you rather? Would you rather go after a pool of hardcore people that are going to like diehard traders on your platform to the tune of hundreds of thousands of active users currently in the space right now? Mm-hmm. Or are you going after a pool of potentially millions, if not hundreds of millions of fans mm-hmm. of sports and music around the world that have yet to come into the space? To me, that's where I'm at. Like, that's what we want to get to. 
Yeah, I will leave my answer and not answer that question. <laughs> but I think it's a good point that you're making. Okay, so so you mentioned, you know, the collectible aspect of NFTs a lot, right? And I think if you want to call it sort of like Gen 1, you know, I think Gen 1 is sort of like the art NFTs and then like collectibles projects, right? And then at some point, you know, after the market got like to ridiculous levels and it wasn't as easy to make a dollar, you know, people were like, wait, these things don't do anything. Like what's actually giving them value, right? And so then utility became the big buzzword, right? Everyone's like, what's the utility? Utility drives value, et cetera, et cetera. How do you think about utility, especially when it comes to, you know, ballers, for example? Yeah. There's, there's definitely a few schools of thought and I'll get mm-hmm. roasted if I just like, I'm completely honest, but at the same time, I'm at a podcast to so just be honest. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, kind of what it comes down to is, is like, okay, just because a card, let's just use the NBA top shot as yeah. an example. I'm not going to use ballers yet because <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's more sensitive, but no, um, let's just say NBA top shot. Yeah. So if this is the evolution of the trading card, what does a trading card do? What is like you collect a LeBron James moment of him dunking in a final, like that tops puts out or upper deck or whatever. Yeah. Do you expect the card to do anything? Does it give you special access to a club? <laughs> right. Like you, like, it's just interesting. Like if you really distill it down to that, it's like, the question is like, no, like I just buy it <laughs> because I think if I hold it over time, maybe yeah. it'll increase in value and I can sell it for like cr- today's prices where I bought my dollar Michael Jordan card. And now it's worth like $10,000, right, right. which is just nuts. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's people that tested really early in the NFT space. And I'm thinking of like guys like fuck render and like some really mm-hmm. interesting people like nifty gateway. Like I was so into nifty gateway when mm-hmm. it came out because not only like to show the demand side where anytime, because they used to have a launch, uh, like a drop every week and mm-hmm. every week, no matter who dropped it sold out. And then like everybody just wanted to get in and it created such a demand side of things and yeah. there wasn't enough supply. So they continue to sell out. Then they expanded obviously to twice a week and then more. And then eventually there's so many NFTs in the market. It's like they weren't selling out and they weren't making money, even huge names and mm-hmm. rappers and big brands coming in. It's like, they would like flop. It's because there was an oversupply, mm-hmm. right? So like trying to get that right is really interesting. But through that process, I saw a lot of people test and incorporate things like utility. It's like, okay, it's not just an NFT, but in the future, you're going to be able to take these NFTs, take two of them, you burn them, mm-hmm. and then it'll give you a new asset. So as people tested, it kind of set the tone for like, there's more to this. So if nobody did anything, we would all just be collecting these things and not asking for more. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is when we saw all these people come out with these promises, yeah. now you saw every set come out with a roadmap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I hate roadmaps, yeah. right? And, and I, I think the ballers community hates me for it to an extent, right? <laughs> it's like, because this it's such a fluid and evolving right. market that we don't even know where it's going. Like we yeah. can make some bets and, and place some bets, which we have, and we're, mm-hmm. you know, telling the community exactly what we're doing in the gaming side or whatever. Um, but I think too many people just set out these roadmaps and said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Step one, merch drop. Step two, <laughs> burn yeah. or burn mechanic. Step three, staking. Yeah. Step four, there's a token. Yeah. Step four, we're all in the metaverse. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's what that's every... honestly just too accurate. <laughs> it's like 99% of all NFT yes. projects. And it's like, you almost like fall like into that trap yeah. and feel like, oh shit, like everybody's doing it. Yeah. So I have to do it. Like we have a set rebel rabbit right. on Ethereum. It's like a lot of that, like we did as well, but realizing that that IP is so cool that we could do bigger stuff. Like yeah. we're trying to bring that stuff into the big screen, create, you know, digital merch, physical mm-hmm. merchandise, like in terms of like toys and trying to get, you know, uh, short series pitched mm-hmm. to like the Netflix of the world. 
like we see something bigger there and that can create a lot of utility in itself. But going back to like traditional like cards and like NBA Top Shot, mm -hmm. NFL All Day, UFC Strike, it's that natural evolution of a trading card. Yeah. Does it really have to do anything? Maybe. And I think the biggest thing is, is like the supply side, yeah. right? I don't know. I'm just a huge fan of like the economics and looking yeah. at like, okay, mm -hmm. well, how many cards does upper deck typically release in a set? And like, how many holistically do they have in their entire ecosystem? Well, mm -hmm. millions, yeah. millions. So we're not even there yet, but I think we accelerated pretty fast because they're digital things. You can just like right. a printing press and, mm -hmm. you know, they're out there. So long story short, how I feel about utility is I think it depends on the set itself and, and the greater vision tied to what it is that you're trying to accomplish. As mm -hmm. long as it's not some cookie cutter thing that you feel like you have to do. And you're actually listening to the collectors and saying, here's what I want, right? Like Bored Apes Yacht Club yeah. is a good example of like people wanted to feel like they were part of this elite club mm -hmm. that nobody else could get access to that kind of converged these two worlds of like the nerdy underbelly <laughs> of gamers and shit. And then yeah. these famous celebrities, now they're all getting in a room together and they never had the opportunity yeah. for that to happen. And I, I thought that was beautiful to an extent, right? Mm -hmm. Of like how those two worlds collided through a digital collectible yeah. as opposed to things like ballers to where we feel like, you know, people early on when ballers was like super popular in mm -hmm. the beginning phases during the bull market, all the community was coming together and they were creating their own content. Yeah. They were creating trading cards, magazine covers, merch, like everything. They almost told us what it is that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. So we took those notes and started building a roadmap and realizing that, you know, some of these things are really interesting. Like game building is awesome. Trading yeah. cards, like we're, we're building some really cool digital trading cards tied to original ballers holders. Metaverse stuff is really interesting, but it's still playing out. So like, mm -hmm. do we just put our stake in the ground and say like, hey, we're going to build some metaverse concept <laughs> that no one will play? I don't want to do that. I yeah. want something that people will actually find value in and utilize. So mm -hmm. that's kind of my take on utility now and into the future and kind of how it evolved from the early days, I feel like, of the Nifty Gateway drops. Yeah. So a lot of these projects, you know, to your point, will release a roadmap to sort of maintain the hype and the engagement, right? So the typical mm -hmm. cycle, you know, you leak a little bit of art, everyone's like, this shit is sick, I need to buy it. And then you yeah. have the NFT drop and then people buy. And then the second it's sold out, everyone's like, okay, what's next? And then everyone gets super annoying. Exactly. And then the, you know, the project like will basically describe some sort of roadmap, usually not hit it, but you know, it's enough to like keep people interested. <laughs> but you know, to your point, you took a different approach when it came to keeping your communities engaged. And so how do you think about just keeping communities engaged? You know, again, particularly we can use ballers if that's okay uh, as an example, or, you know, sure. use any of the collections. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's like, it's hard too. like, every time you launch a set, you realize like there's a, a vibrant community and they're like all in. Right. So if you don't give it the love and attention it needs, then they like, you know, there's backlash. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that at like so many different sets. I think the the thing that's hard to balance for us as a business is like, you know, we we're in a unique position in the sense that not only did we create a, a wonderful set in ballers that's expanding beyond just basketball and it's moving mm -hmm. to all sports eventually, but how do you ensure the success of something on a blockchain that doesn't even have as nearly as many users and, yeah. and active collectors as OpenSea or Solana? Well, for us, it's building a marketplace and we launched our marketplace of Gaia with ballers. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, we're only so many people in our team mm -hmm. and obviously we've expanded and, you know, garnered some money, which is great for that expansion. But at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, how do we build something to where 
it creates enough demand and liquidity so we can best serve our collectors. Yeah. And that's like controlling and, and not controlling, but like building this marketplace experience and having that as like the quintessential set that helped build it all. So it might be hard from a collector's perspective to understand that and that mm -hmm. might take time, but it's a critical part of making sure that these are valuable and tradable and desirable in the future is creating this you know, marketplace with a bunch of different types of NFTs and liquidity so that if you do want to sell something in the future, that there's a buyer for it. So for us, that's like, it's a, it's a tough balance to strike as well, as well as, you know, just trying to make sure that as you grow a business, like you have to be there, you have to be present, you have to be in front of people all the time, even though you're fundraising and all this, like yeah. you can't turn it off even for a second. So that, those are learnings that I've taken, you know, as a, as a founder and as a, you know, creator of these NFT sets, like we care so much about them that it's hard for the average collector to understand if to your point, there's not progress mm -hmm. or a new release or new utility every single week, yeah. if they understood, which we, you know, obviously try to convey the long tail of this and where we see ballers as a brand going. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure every NFT set feels the same way, whether it's mm -hmm. top shot or Cryptoys is another cool one that's coming mm -hmm. out that I'm super excited about. Yeah, me too. Um, the long term is what I'm excited for, but the long term of like getting to a household name and having a lot of utility in the future takes time. Yeah. And sometimes collectors don't have that time. They're mm -hmm. either, you know, there's multiple types of collectors. Some people are just, you know, flippers. Some people yeah. are here for a little while, but they'll give you like six months. And if mm -hmm. you don't impress them, they're out. So, you have to respect all collectors and try to your very best to adhere to all the things that the collectors are looking at and what they want and what they find valuable. So the only way to do that is by listening and being mm -hmm. active and participating in that community. So that's, that's something we really kicked up a notch, especially with our funding and bringing on teams specifically to support the ballers ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And then just following up on the marketplace side of things, you know, most NFT projects, don't have their own marketplace you know they typically drop on another marketplace whereas for you guys it sounds like you know the Gaia marketplace is a pretty core piece of the vision how big of a piece of the overall vision is the Gaia marketplace to your business it's it's one of the biggest pieces of the entire business but we kind of look at them like differently so like ballers as an example or rebel rabbits like we almost see them as their own independent businesses mm -hmm. and we have dedicated teams to support them most of the the people that are on our team support obviously the greater gaia vision because mm -hmm. it's just such a big vision i mean we're trying to build an amazon for nfts yeah. like that's that doesn't take you know a few people like right. it takes a village to get there and it's going to take quite a while to get there but mm -hmm. you know we have incredible support of dapper and the dapper wallet and and all the incredible IPs that they bring to the table, but you know we're trying to expand into so many different sectors. You know whether it be sports or gaming or metaverse stuff. I mean, it's a it's a massive undertaking. So I guess like you know holistically, what I'm saying is it's like we we have to look at them as their own unique entities and individual businesses. But yeah, predominantly most of our effort um, at the company level in terms of employee count is on guy. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And as you know, you know a lot of the listeners of my podcast are gamers and in, in the gaming yeah. community um so are you a gamer today and if so what are some of the games that you like to play i wish i had time for going to the gym mm -hmm. being a gamer <laughs> playing basketball every once in a while like just being active we see this as like an answer to your question no mm -hmm. like i just don't have time yeah. in it, and it kind of sucks but i live my dreams through like building this stuff every day because mm -hmm. you know we take it really seriously and like a huge responsibility we feel that we're building the future of what you know i have daughters so like the future of how my daughters are going to consume things like yeah. nfts and digital collectibles like we're building the foundations for 
what ultimately people will, will utilize moving forward. So, you know, we take that really seriously. And we also see a small window of opportunity where we're still in the early phases. Like you're starting to see signs and signals that huge brands are coming in. It's just a matter of time before some of the big giants come in mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to be really hard to compete. But if you have enough of a head start, you're going to be able to compete in a significant way, as well as, you know, there's changes to all these different blockchains, there's ups and downs and, and, you know, tragic things that happen on some of them. And it creates opportunities for us and, and for others, especially on like a blockchain like Flow, where we can capture some of that market share. So especially during a down market, like we're in now, like we're just heads down building because we see this window of opportunity. If we capitalize on it, it literally could be the difference. I'm just throwing random numbers out mm-hmm. there between a couple hundred million dollar company or a multi-billion dollar yeah. unicorn. Like that's, that's what I see. So there's no time, no time for games, sure. unfortunately. So, you know, just on gaming as part of your company, right? So John Pan, who I previously had as a guest, right. you know, he wrote a blog post not too long ago saying that he's building a game for ballers. And, you know, I know a lot of folks in the community sort of were guessing that there was a game coming, you know, it's probably teased a bit as well. So is there anything you can share on the future of ballers when it comes to gaming? Yeah, the first iteration of the game is a, a simulation-based game. There's something that the community created called the UBL, mm-hmm. and we're kind of transforming the UBL into something called the BBL, which is like the same type of idea, but visualized. So there's going to be some cool visuals, so you can be able to see the game kind of played out to an extent. Mm-hmm. That's just the first iteration of gaming, and and John's been awesome and kind of setting the infrastructure, and we kind of brought him on for that reason, like mm-hmm. set the infrastructure for a gaming division so that ballers can really succeed over the long term. So this is our first iteration of a game. Further iterations will include things that are inspired by the NBA jams of the world and different types of card games. We plan on doing a lot of different things. I think he gave me the stat. Maybe I'm wrong, John. So sorry if I'm botching (laughs) this, but something like, you know, it takes like 20 games to get one hit or something like that. Like, I don't know if we're going to make 20, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, but you know, it just kind of goes to show that you can't just make one game and just assume that it's going to be a one hit wonder. We're probably going to build many different games and experiences Mm -hmm. and see what the community loves and and what they really enjoy. Awesome. And, you know, I know this is a lot more speculation when it comes to Top Shot, but for a while, you know, folks have wanted sort of like a large fantasy sports NFT project. Is that something that you're thinking about as well when you think about all the different potential game concepts? You know, we keep an eye on everything that's happening mm-hmm. in the industry. And I think fantasy sports right now, like, I mean, look at So Rare. Like, So mm-hmm. Rare, in my opinion, is killing it. it. It has since the beginning. Like, I wasn't really into soccer, but I still had, like, mm-hmm. some of the cards, but I just never used them. But, you know, you see DraftKings, you see others really getting into space in a substantial way. So for us, like, we see the sign. We're actively pursuing stuff like mm-hmm. that in that realm of things. That's all I'll say. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm actually excited. I think, you know, I, I think that was one of my hypotheses, like, early on in the NFT space. And I even reached out immediately to ESPN trying to pitch like, hey, let's create fantasy, you know, for you guys, the NFTs. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, that, that makes no sense. There's like yeah. two users, right? <laughs> but now fast forward to today, those conversations, you know, can be a lot more real. And, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's us or somebody else, like these brands are taking NFTs and digital collectibles a lot more seriously. So it's exciting to see kind of where this goes. Mm-hmm. And there was an announcement not too long ago that So Rare actually partnered with the NBA on I think it was supposed yep. to be a fantasy project, right? And then there's NBA Top Shot, and there are rumors that at some point there may or may not be a fantasy project there. You know, there's other third parties trying to build some sort of fantasy project. How do you think about this opportunity and just the saturation, right? Like, you know, even if you're the biggest 
NFT and sports fan, you know, you can't play 10 different fantasy games, you know, you just don't have the time for it. So how do you think about the opportunity and just like the competition and the saturation? Yeah, I see, you know, some brands, it's interesting to see what they're doing. Like the NBA is clearly mm-hmm. like got the memo that it's all about testing and failing fast mm-hmm. and learning, right? And I think that's smart. I think they should, you know, I always tell huge brands that we talk to, it's like, hey, you don't need to give us an exclusive, like you yeah. can go launch on any chain because the faster you learn what the users want and find a value, then the better the experience that ultimately you're going to create. So any brand that's kind of in that boat, that's willing to test and, and make mistakes, I think is, is going to be, you know, it's going to translate to them winning in a big way over the long term. Mm-hmm. Okay. And earlier, you know, you mentioned the metaverse and I am obligated to ask you <laughs> about it in a bit more detail. So, you know, even if there's anything specific that you can share when it, in regards to any of your projects, you know, how do you think about the metaverse opportunity just in general? In general, it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, you know, in theory, you know, if, if uh, Zuckerberg understood mm-hmm. and had a, like a pulse on actually what people wanted, maybe that could work because they just, I mean, they have such a massive user base, obviously, mm-hmm. to the tune of billions of people. So maybe, like, if I had to like fast forward, like, look at that crystal ball, <laughs> potentially what could happen is, is that Facebook or Meta doesn't get it right, but because they have so many users, like eventually, like they're just going to be a winner in that space because they just have the users. Perhaps they end up acquiring a company that actually did get it right and had their, you know, (laughs) their ears to the ground. That's a possibility, but I see so many different people testing. I mean, I just saw one just earlier today, you know, that I'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. And it was something like on Twitter and there was some brand that was doing something crazy, utilizing like all these really cool, like unreal engines and things like that for gamers. And it's just incredible. It's like the most incredible 3D experience metaverse ever. But at the end of the day, it's like when you look at stats and like some of the stats I've seen recently about, you know, I'm sure you've seen it as yeah. well, like, you know, Decentraland and the Sandbox. It's like the actual active user counts are super, super <laughs> yeah. low. It just kind of goes to show it's like, is it like VR where it's just mm-hmm. like too early and we're just going to have to test for a while and eventually we realize there's some hybrid like augmented reality glasses that actually make a hell of a lot more sense because somebody can wear them and experience that like hybrid of the two worlds together. That's kind of my prediction Mm -hmm. is that we're going to need some sort of hybrid. So, you know, I've even thought about this for like a marketplace. What does a hybrid look like for a marketplace? I'm not going to give the answer because maybe (laughs) people go steal it, but I think there is an answer Mm -hmm. and it's really just like integrating it seamlessly into an experience that they're already utilizing. So if they're purchasing NFTs and digital collectibles, like how do you give them that on-demand experience to where like you buy it and then you can just step into the metaverse and use it like whoever figures that out is going to win in a big way i think and i think gamers and gaming is like the easiest and best use case for that think of like dimension x which launched on our platform recently Mm -hmm. that's a game that's awesome the guys are awesome it was a free mint they give away all their nfts for free Mm -hmm. and you know now like exceeded like seven hundred thousand dollars in the secondary market volume which is crazy but i mean if you're able to take those NFTs and immediately start playing it, the game, then that game might've been tied to like some cool metaverse and like maybe there's some users that are willing to utilize it there. But I don't know. I, I think we're just so early. Like there's just, there's not a clear winner and there's not going to be one for quite a while. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there's so many different visions out there on like what the metaverse is. And most people can't even agree, but pretty much everyone agrees that it's going to be this massive opportunity. You know, there are estimates that it's going to be a multi-trillion dollar market, you know, and all these these huge numbers. Yeah. And, you know, I think John, I think it was John Hankey, if not, it was someone else at Niantic recently just said something similar actually to your comment on like the world between um, full immersion you know, where you're more like AR, you know, whether it's viewing the world through a phone or glasses and just how the potential is so large for that, given it's just so accessible. You know, I mean, even today, something like, maybe not today, but in the near future, you know, something like that can just be accessible to like tons and tons of people through a smartphone. And you can think of the value, you know, if you're walking down the street, you look at a store with your phone and it tells you like, you know, there's a sale on this item for this long and like you can you, you know you can try it on or whatever it is so you know it's just the sort of hybrid opportunity seems massive as well oh yeah for sure i mean i guess the question like i was i also asked myself about mm -hmm. metaverses is like you have roblox you know you have minecraft it's like these are metaverses that are already built that people are utilizing mm -hmm. and it's like gaming is like the core component inside of those so like right. if i had to take any guess like gaming metaverses would probably be more successful because yeah. then you're going to get more active users which would then substantiate supporting this giant metaverse mm -hmm. but i guess the question is like why are they not or why haven't they fully moved into it it's like yeah. because like they ask themselves do you need nfts to support this you're right and if there's a really good case for it like i think there are good cases for it and it's really about ownership like that's mm -hmm. the beauty of what i think nfts and crypto gives you is like the power of ownership and shared economic value and interest inside of a larger ecosystem that you can pass to the user like you never have been able to give before. It's like, <laughs> you know, what if Nike came out with, you know, I, I know Nike bought, you know, purchased yeah. artifact and like mm -hmm. they're in the space. But yeah. I mean, like, imagine if a Nike or like somebody big like that created this, you know, division of their brand and that brand was literally created to have a shared ownership with the, the people that are collecting mm -hmm. the NFTs, right? And now you have this like shared economic values, which is like along the lines of like DAOs and what yeah. you know, autonomous organizations are, yeah. are, are built for. I don't know. There's just so many different directions you can head with this, um, especially like tying in metaverse stuff, but yeah. tying in like how big brands can share value. And I think that holistically in this whole conversation is the key. It's like how people eventually are going to get in is when they get the memo of this crypto blockchain NFT kind of revolution and what's happening is like the shared economy and the shared value to where you can now invite somebody who's a traditional consumer instead of just giving them ads and hoping that they buy your stuff, you can actually give them some something of tangible yeah. value to where they feel a sense of ownership of your brand, which then translates into them as a marketing guy becoming <laughs> your biggest advocate, right? That's that's ultimately what the holy grail of marketing. And I you think know, that's what NFTs can provide. It's really interesting, right? Because Obviously, there are so many use cases that you can think of that actually drive value to the consumer. But where we are currently, you know, especially within gaming, right? Like gamers just are not for NFTs currently. Right. Um, I think I just saw a survey recently, like still the majority of gamers don't want NFTs, despite the fact that they are probably, you know, the group of people or one of the groups of people that are going to benefit the most. And so, yeah, you know, you hope that eventually you know, the consumers and especially the gamers, you know, will, will realize like, hey, this is a good future for you guys as well. But yeah, I just wanted oh, yeah. to sh shift gears. And as a concluding question, you know, you've been in the space for a long time, you know, but it's still early. And it sounds like you have a lot of interesting things that you're working on. So what does the future of 
your company look like and what do you ultimately want to accomplish in this space maybe that you haven't already i always say and, and this is not my quote but you know if your dreams don't scare you they're not big enough i tell mm -hmm. that to my daughters too and like i apply that in our business and say the same thing to you know all my partners in the business which is you know how big do we want to go and like how big can we go mm -hmm. and if you say like i want to be I say eBay, but some of my other partners say Amazon, you know, you got to start with something like Amazon. Yeah. Like I love this analogy. My, my co-founder and CTO Kurt always says, which is like, they perfected books and then slowly moved to everything else. Well, mm -hmm. if you had to kind of like pin down, like what it is that we're doing, like we're pretty heavy on sports yeah. right now, you get that right. You can go into anything. So I think slowly, but surely, you know, as they say, it happens a little bit at a time and then yeah. all at once, you know, I think it's part of the ebbs and flows of the market, but, you know, we're positioning ourselves as like the go-to marketplace that connects web two and web three together in a way to where we're providing a web two experience that mm -hmm. by the way, they've already spent, you know, 10 you know, decades trying to get yeah. the user experience right. And, you know, web three tends to try to think that we have to rethink that experience. You mm -hmm. don't, Yeah. You, you have to think of like the web three you know, value is like all the stuff on the back end that the user actually doesn't see, right? Mm -hmm. it is the interesting thing in the sense of ownership. And yeah. anyway, with that said, we're building a brand that will help onboard the masses into the digital co collectible space in a really seamless manner, powered by something like the Dapper Wallet, where it makes it super frictionless and easy to purchase with a credit card, bank transfer, or crypto, whatever tickles your fancy, and just having a, an incredible experience but also use, utilizing maybe some of the best of what blockchain and Web3 offers, which is like DeFi. So like incorporating layers of like decentralized finance and mm -hmm. like we're testing, as you can see on our marketplace right now, like we've done a challenge recently where the more you collect and, and do with NBA Top Shop moments, then you're actually earning rewards. And those mm -hmm. rewards are packs of cards and those packs of cards, no one, nobody knows what they are yet. They don't <laughs> know what's inside or what they can get. And these are the interesting things like with rewards, like with what Starbucks is testing, mm -hmm. right? And I think rewards is going to be a huge thing with NFTs. So that's our kind of early testing of rewards and reward mechanisms in the Gaia marketplace through NFTs. So the future is we want to become the Amazon of the digital collectible space. And our vision and mission really is connecting the world through collectibles. Awesome. Well, you know, I'll definitely be following your along both as, you know, a, a friend and a fan and as Appreciate a that. ballers holder. So, you know, I just want to yeah, say, ballers. yeah, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, man. Look forward to talking again soon.